Hello and welcome to One Footer in the Grave, the podcast with a schedule that's as reliable as a <laughs> British Rail timetable on a very windy day, which it is. It certainly you is. You might hear some wind <laughs> emanating from my studio. I'm your train manager, Andy Clark, and on the show with me today are passengers Paul, talking too loudly, Boak. Oh, I haven't talked. John, what? taking a table. <laughs> Taking up a table but not using his laptop, Hicks. I'm and asleep. Marcus, t, 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 boom, t, headphones too loud, Lillington. Now, I promise you, this episode will be first class, but before we get to that, um, I have um, what could be described as a public service announcement, but is most likely going to be a set of lame excuses for why we haven't done a podcast in the last two months. Um, I've been wintering on my private island. That's my excuse. (laughs) (laughs) Where the internet is very poor. Even worse than in North Wales, eh, Andy? (laughs) It is. It's it's a lovely place to be. The palm trees uh, sway in the Pacific breeze, um, as do the grass skirts of the native girls, who I um, thoroughly enjoy. That's the skirts, not the native girls. And so you decided to go with your Zoom background as being some shitty old cottage office when you could be showing us the waves behind you. We're, we're, we're back oh, right. now. Unfortunately, there was, a, there, there was an unfortunate incident um, with a pineapple, which um, for legal reasons I'm not able to get into. Um, so hence, we, hence we've been deported back to... Uh, back to Cymru and um, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it what about yours Paul where where have you been I've been working no you haven't you've been swooshing around the world okay I briefly Uh, I briefly (laughs) went to Dubai yeah but other than that and how fancy was that come on (laughs) I tell you that was that was fancy yes yeah the first half we so we were away for 10 days the first half we spent in in Dubai itself which is pretty fancy as cities go very weird city um i think that it 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 is the most multicultural city i've ever been to and you know london feels pretty multicultural doesn't it but nothing compared to dubai very weird mix of people um that was amazing and then we spent the second week now this was the posh bit where we went out in the desert and stayed in some luxury thing in a nature reserve out in the desert and went you know across the rolling dunes and went on camel back i am so uh, me on a camel couldn't imagine a more graceful scene it, it just <laughs> you know, and this is this is a true this is a true story right i went on this camel we went 20 minutes out into the dunes where we had champagne and it was all very nice and 20 minutes back and in that 40 minutes i swear to you i got a saddle sore that lasted the rest of the holiday on my ass uh, oh dear we're you, all so sad you got such a soft such a soft a lily white a <laughs> lily white southerner ass that's my problem uh, yeah just needs a good bit of rubbing now and again <laughs> just to harden it up <laughs> with a pineapple <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. What have you been up to, John? I've been on the run. 
Um, <laughs> I'd love to say I've had such a nice time like you guys have had, but um, do, you mem- do you remember Radio Rentals? Yeah, I do. do you, yeah, to when like you used, rumbelows. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so when you used to like, you wanted to buy a telly, and tellies were quite expensive, so you rented them. Um, uh, they hired a debt collection agency from uh, an unpaid uh, TV that I had back in the nineties, um, and they've still been chasing me, and they finally caught up with me. No. I think it would actually it would be great. Uh, it would make a great film, <laughs> you know, because. Because, like, because, yeah. like, like, you know, like Radio Rentals as a company didn't no longer exist, as far as I know. Um, I believe that's the case. Clearly bankrupt, but no one told these these two guys from the debt collection agency, um, Frank and Steve, and they just and they finally caught up with me, and it was a lovely um, chase scene at the high street <laughs> where I was. I was shouting, but I sent the television back. <laughs> and, um, yeah, eventually I managed to outrun them. And so far, we're all, we're all good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on kind of like doors and exits. I, I, that sounds so such a ridiculous story. I have no idea if there is any truth in any of that that you've just said. Because I, I'm struggling to find any aspect. I mean, obviously, I don't believe the running for a start. We can we can rule that bit <laughs> oh, out. Oh, come on! But I still, I can, you know, when when my life is in danger, I can still have a good. I can do a good sprint. But are you seriously saying that you had debt collectors turn up from something that you bought in or didn't even buy, rented in the 1990s? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> It's not true, though, is it, John? (laughs) He cannot confirm nor deny. Seriously, I actually believe some of that. Was the whole seriously? Was the whole thing made up from beginning to end? Well, yeah, I I totally. I did. I did once rent a TV from Radio Rentals. That part is true. So, so that I've not been anywhere swanky. All right, so I had to come up with something. Well, yeah, but. But of all the things you could have come up with, right, you could have gone down Andy's route of going, I was oh, on a tropical island. Yeah, you're getting a critique mm-hmm. on your story. But if you're going to yeah, go... That, that was not me, though. If you, go, if you go kind of a chase, a chase over a debt for ah, a rental. Right. So that's, that's the key bit. That's the bit you can't believe is the running. <laughs> that's what it all comes down to. It's come back so to it. You were, you were with me. You were with me up to that point. And you said, like, John being athletic? No. No, I think it was Surely probably not. more that I couldn't imagine myself in a chase. You know, well, <laughs> certainly one that... I, it would be a very short yeah, chase. And with an inhaler <laughs> being waggled every few minutes. <laughs> No, that was oh, brilliant. Nice. You, you totally had me, John. I'm sorry to say, I believed everyone. Do you know what? It's uh, yeah. That wasn't the intention. I thought everyone would just go, oh yeah, yeah very move on. But yeah, I know where your limits we are. We honestly now. thought we honestly thought that you owned eighteen thousand pounds on a seventeen-inch television. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it was only one hundred and eighty pounds when you first rented. Yeah. It. And, it was only, and, it, and it was only a twelve-inch. Yeah. Yeah. What's been up with you, Marcus? But no, I've been, I've been, I've been close to death's door. Not really. Oh no! Um, Tell but, us more. Was it your hip? Is your hip given out, <laughs> or is the angina <laughs> bad? 
oh, my, I, have, I did have a lot of problems with my hip when I went on holiday. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, two, no, yeah, two, three, four weeks ago, I just I got uh, you know I got a bit of a cough, sore throat, and I thought, oh, here we go, I've got COVID. Um, tested, nope. Uh, and then I got worse and worse and worse and really, and I got like an infected sinuses. Anyway, but that's all boring. Blah blah blah. Two weeks of that felt awful. Negative tests on COVID. On about ten tests I did. Then went on a skiing holiday. Uh, couple week, two weeks ago, which was all bloody marvellous. Came back uh, as with ten of us went. Six out of the ten of us got COVID, what? and I was wow. one of them. So I've got COVID currently as we yeah. speak. So you, I'm going to touch the screen. Have you got your Ew. sense of smell? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. I, I just feel a bit tired. It's it's mm. it's a weird one. It's if you just sit there watching TV, you don't feel like there's anything wrong with you. I sat here. I'm not, there's nothing wrong at all. But if you walk up the stairs a bit briskly, it's like oh my god again. Although, although I'm definitely I'm definitely getting to the to the um, to the end of it because I'm starting to feel somewhat better now. Although still testing positive. I, you're still god. just describing my every day walking up stairs briskly, <laughs> making me feel a bit tired. <laughs> More so, more so than normal, Paul. That's all. Because <laughs> have, have the rest of you had it? No. Nope. Has everyone had? No. Nope. Because it no, seems to be it. we seem to be in the minority now. The people who haven't. Mm. Just about everyone I know around me has had it. But what? I'm convinced I picked it up on the plane on the way out. The plane Just, on the way out to where? Austria. Ah. But, but everybody would have had a everybody would have had a PCR test. Before they went out, not anymore. Ah, nope. no, of course not now. Uh, on, on, you, on your way out and on the way back, it's just uh, if you, you you can travel. If you have been fully vaccinated, you can yeah. travel now. Yeah, so you are right. There's yeah. no you don't do any don't do any test any tests at all. So it was a bit of a surprise. It was like oh, all right hmm. then, fair enough. I'll stay in for the week, but not that interesting. Nowhere near as interesting as being chased by um <laughs> by the bailiffs <laughs> by debt collectors. <laughs> <laughs> I've probably told this story before, but I worked for a design agency in Chester many years ago, and they had a client who was a debt collection company from up in the northwest somewhere, and the tagline for this debt connection agency was, we don't fuck about. No. (laughs) 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 We'll get the Muppet. Which I thought was... was Genius. Mm-hmm. Oh, Genius. yeah. It's and scary. Can I just ask, Paul, have you got a glass of wine? Yes. Have you got a problem with that? <laughs> no. Just, <laughs> just very, I haven't got a glass of wine. It's very accusatory. No, no. I was just wanting to know if that was, you yes. know, that was yes. what, you, what was in that. Not Ribena or something. No, it, it's been one of those what? days that, that even though it's only four o'clock, I feel the need for a glass of wine. Well, I think that Paul is also celebrating, aren't you, Paul? You're celebrating your impetuous decision. That oh you made yeah, a few yeah. Weeks I'm ago. having a midlife crisis again. Can you have more than one? I think. Shit. I think you should. <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, up a midlife crisis. <laughs> yeah, you've got. If you think about like, you know, people that pass through the menopause, they get hot flushes, so they get they get like bursts of it, don't they, over a period of time. <laughs> 
people. People, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no. So, and if you chaps had the menopause? Apparently, <laughs> apparently, according to a reliable source that I read on the internet, men can mm. have menopause as well. Re- no, really? No, they can't. No, I, just, <laughs> I don't know why I said people. It just came out as people. Yeah, so it's like I'm getting waves is my point. My waves of midlife crisis. The first one was when I was 40 and I decided randomly to get a tattoo for, for no apparent reason. And now I'm on the midlife crisis of, screw this for a game of soldiers, I'm going to travel around America in an RV. So th- this is the latest version of my midlife crisis. So we're flying out on Wednesday. Uh, we don't... What, and not coming back? I thought you, I thought you were com- going out to a, just to do a bit of a recce. Yeah, well, it, it's escalated since then. Um, okay. <laughs> according to my wife, it has, anyway. I think we're going out to do a recce. She's going out to buy one. So I guess on that basis, it's her midlife crisis, not mine. But anyway. So, yeah, I mean, basically, we're gonna, if we can buy one, we will. So it's the perfect time to do it because we're, you know, America's still in, um, in the middle of a pandemic. There's a global inflation going on at the moment, which means it's more expensive to borrow money. Everybody is reevaluating their lives. So the cost of um, RVs is going through the roof. So really, it's the optimal time mm. to be doing all of this. So, mm. yeah, we've really got to go mm. for it. You've got a big birthday coming up, haven't you, Paul? Has that got anything to do with well, it? Well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I was 40, it was a tattoo. When I'm 50, it's an RV. So, you know, when I'm 60, it'll be Andy's private island I'll be buying, I suspect. It'll be a tattoo of an RV. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, well, how, good luck, Paul. I mean, yeah. if you're not coming back for a year or whatever, are, are you coming back ever? Yeah, yeah. When you're 60. So, yeah. No, the, <laughs> no, the plan, uh, originally the plan was to go for a year. Um, but right. the, the practicalities of that, of getting a visa at the moment, when America really hasn't opened that long after COVID, is just so backed yeah. up. So what we're basically doing is we're going for three months at a time, the maximum you can on your ESTA. Um, then, okay. then storing the motorhome, coming back for a few months, sort our asses out, and then go back out again. So, okay. well, it, I say that that was the plan, um, but then, so we're going out on February twenty third. So um, February, March, April. So partway through May, we'll be coming back, and then pretty much turning around and going back out again because I've I've got some work in Minnesota. So we're going back out there. So I don't quite know how that's going to work. I haven't thought mm. it through As yet. a cowboy? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in chaps. Uh, well, they seem very insistent that I wear chaps. Mm. I don't really know what it's all o- about. Only chaps. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to get a sore ass again, aren't you? Probably, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll soon callous over. <laughs> Yeah, John really speaking from experience there. I'm just thinking from the bicycle saddle experience. Ah, yeah, yeah. Why why are bicycle seats so painful? They shouldn't need to be that painful, surely. No. Do you know what? I'm not going to get into this just now. (laughs) Is it a a controversial subject? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a subject for another podcast, I think. Oh, but, blimey. But basically... <laughs> Why? Because we've got so much on our agenda today, I'll, we couldn't fit it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'm, I'm just testing how good, you know, how basically how much I can push lies with you. Guys. It's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. But um, anyway, yeah, Minnesota, a great place to escape from radio rentals anyway. <laughs> That sounds fantastic. I'm very jealous. Very, yeah, very jealous. I'm very jealous. Well, I don't know. I don't know why either of you are jealous, considering you're both perfectly capable of doing the same thing. We mm. are, but we haven't, and that's why we hate. Oh, you I see. For it. <laughs> that's what it is. See, Marcus, I'm not. Marcus, I'm not jealous no, at all. No, Marcus, I get right. Marcus, just you don't really like travelling that much, do you? You know, you like your once a year holiday, but you wouldn't want to do something like that, would you? Oh God, no. no! Awful living in living in a caravan for three months. Yeah, dreadful. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, and also I've just got I've changed my life upside down. I mean, I know I've been saying that for about two, three years now, <laughs> but it's still it's still I only lived here for just over a year, so it's all very new to me. Mm. This this is my adventure, if you. Like. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, uh, so I don't really want to go off on another one. Yeah. I do, guess. You, do you do you keep finding rooms that you didn't know you had? <laughs> <laughs> my, old, my old house had a secret room in it. Did it? That was very cool. Yes, it did. Ooh. When I first moved in there, I was sort of young and keen and would crawl along the passageway to find the dead bodies in the room that I would tell the children that were in there. Right. Um, but uh, after a while, you're just like, oh, I can't be asked. It's too difficult to get into it. Basically, <laughs> it was um, the, the, there was a big, long extension on the back of the house. Um, and one side of it had been, had two stories up over it. And the other side was just like... It just sort of went down over it, and they just sort of thought ah, bollocks. We just put the roof over the top of it, and you could you could crawl uh, along a little bit to a, to avoid space. But it was big enough to be a bathroom or something like that. And we always like say, oh well, yeah, we could turn it into a bathroom. Never did. Or a little gentleman's club, yes. Or a safe room if you wanted to hide from, from the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's what you need. Things just keep coming full circle in this chat, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> to the lies! To the lies that John has... He's ripped my world apart with his lies. <laughs> I, th- I think you're going to miss... You're going to miss a lot when you're in America, Paul. You're going to miss um, people that can spell and talk properly. That's going to be... <laughs> yeah. going to oh, be something that you miss a lot. You, I'll give you the talking properly bit, but I won't give you the spelling because I have, oh, come I have come to believe that actually their spelling makes a lot more sense than ours. If, if we're honest, you know, someone sat down and intentionally simplified the English language. Um, and I think whoever... Well, they had to. Yes. They had to. Well, obviously. Yeah, I'm not... <laughs> so that they could understand it. Uh, yeah, because they have people for so many different backgrounds is what you mean, I'm a, don't you, Andy? You're not implying that Americans are thick. You're just saying that you know so many people were speaking English as their second language. That was what you meant, right? Mm, yes. <laughs> Beautifully put. So, so I actually, I actually prefer their spelling in, in, to the point now where I've just given up. And everything I write is in American English because I got fed up with, you know, there were certain publications I wrote for. I'm looking at you, Smashy Magazine, that always wants it in American English. And so I thought, screw it, I'll just do it all the time. Paul, I just want to say now that it's been nice knowing you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm shocked to the core. Oh, I'm sorry, An Marcus. Englishman. I know. What, you literally do type colour, C-O-L-O-R. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Okay, like, the big test. <laughs> the big test is what are pants? Oh, pants are pa- uh, pants are underpants still. 
I mean, okay, I, I'm right, not, okay. I'm not that barbarian. And as for, <laughs> as for colour, Marcus, anybody that's ever written any CSS has had to endure that for for donkey's years. So that's mm. not an, anything mm-hmm. new. I, it was a random true. choice. I could have picked many of them. Yeah. So optimize and things like that, that, you know. I've often well. written variables and wanted to put a pound sign rather than a dollar sign. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't work. It doesn't though, does feel, it? No, but it, it doesn't feel right. Just like. <laughs> nah. Now, I tried that with euros. It doesn't work either. No. You know what else you're going to miss when you're over there, Paul? What's that? Vegetables. They don't have vegetables in America. Hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is the man who started this series with a whole section on America and potatoes. I might have mentioned potatoes in passing, but that is that is true. Apart from potatoes, which they have in, in many, many different ways, as long as you can fry them, then they can eat them. Um, apart from potatoes, there are no other vegetables. Again, um, I, I think continent. you're making an enormous assumption that I eat vegetables here in the UK. <laughs> well, this leads me on very neatly, this segue, yes. into yeah. John's big the question of the segue. week. Which vegetables can go to hell? All of them. <laughs> and, I'd, yeah, I'd be interested in your thoughts, actually, because I've, I've got strong opinions on which vegetables, which is a lot of them. I, but, uh, um, really? I remember, I remember um, Jeremy Keith coming on the Boag World show once and I asked him a question and he said, I reject the premise of your question. Um, And that's always stuck with me. And and so I'm going to reject the premise of your question because I don't think it's so much about the vegetable and instead about how it's prepared. Because I think there can be an enormous, even vegetables that normally I wouldn't like, if they're prepared well, which normally involves large amounts of butter and fat, roasted, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) anything is bearable in that case. And also, there was a lot of a lot of vegetables that in the 1970s, when I was well, when we were all growing up, that were basically boiled to oblivion and ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually yes, are not bad. Put the sprouts on with the turkey, love. Yes, for the same <laughs> length of time. Yeah. <laughs> so we get a nice sprout drink at the end of it. Yes. Mm. Mm. That, I hear what you're saying, Paul, but my evil vegetable, that does, that's not the case. Okay, what's Cause yours? Actually, because I think it's a delicious vegetable. Right. It is the Jerusalem artichoke. Mm. So why now, is it evil then? It's evil because if I eat it, and pretty much anyone eats it, um, it will become a very windy day, <laughs> <laughs> as it currently is. Um, yeah, honestly, it's it's like I don't know. It's like pouring acid down my throat. Um, it, it's just suddenly this blah, 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 starts starts to happen. A bit. A lot of vegetables are like this. Cauliflower is well known. Mm-hmm. Sprouts, cabbage, all of those kind of things. But the Jerusalem art, Jerusalem artichoke is known for its fartitiousness. Very interesting. But you don't you like the flavour. So oh, that, yeah, d- that doesn't count. <laughs> okay. Alright, then if we I, I like all vegetables. There you go. There's a statement. I I have a thing about tomatoes. Which not, I not know, a vegetable, not a vegetable. I know you're going to say is not a vegetable. Who decides these things anyway? What 
Some pedantic <laughs> arsehole. Scientists. Is there some kind of, I don't know, subcommittee at the International <laughs> Standards Organization? That I suspect there is a, there's a reason why. That it's, like, it's to do with know, seeds. Peanuts. peanuts aren't nuts, are they? It's to no. do... Well, yes, they, of course they bloody are. What? They're dried peas. They're not nuts. But I have so, a thing about tomatoes. I, I will enjoy a baby tomato, a little cherry mm, tomato. I like those. Mm, I'll sometimes kind of stretch to a little bit of a sliced tomato in a salad. But the minute that you start to cook a tomato, it just turns into the most evil vegetable on the planet. <laughs> really, really horrible. And in particular, um, tinned tomatoes. Oh, yeah. It's like what? eating somebody's internal <laughs> <laughs> really is and well, I've been to cafes you know sometimes you go to a greasy spoon cafe and you you don't notice on the menu that it says tomatoes alongside your sausage and your hash brown and sometimes it comes and there's this revolting looking organ on the plate <laughs> and your entire breakfast is swimming in kind yeah. of organ juice okay, it really that's is wrong. horrible so yeah. that's, that's i am yeah wrong. so i uh, i th- i think cooked tomatoes are the uh, the worst vegetable on the planet bizarre i never thought tomatoes would be so controversial they're such a basic mm. well what like, would you what would you pick then then john what what was your vegetable that's evil vegetable yeah <laughs> kale oh that's good kale mm. kale sheep feed <laughs> i mean yes <laughs> No. Yes, you can. You can roast kale, and yep. if you roast it with lots of salt, especially, you it kind of it's like seaweed. Mm. You know, when mm. you when you buy like seaweed from a, a Chinese, it's mm. often okay. it's not actually it's seaweed. Cabbage. It's it's cabbage yeah. or, or kale or something like that. Kale just just disgusting. The texture and the flavour ruin everything. Have you and tried ca- kaleettes? <laughs> I've got their latest album, if that's what you're talking about. <laughs> Savoy cabbage and the kaleettes, yes. Um, no, that's a, it's a thing. If it's a sub-brand of kale, then I just don't want to know. I mean, They're like, imagine, to some people this does probably sound like, yes, the, the spawn of the devil and another evil thing, but they're like sprouts that have uh, done a little kind of flowering like a cabbage. But about mm. the same size as a sprout. And so you buy a big bag of them like you would a bag of sprouts, but you chuck them on your, uh, on your oven tray, bit of olive oil, salt and pepper. Mm. Delicious, because they're kind of crispy and sprouty at the same time. Now, sprouty I like. I like sprouty. And, mm. um, oh, that, was, that just reminds me, it's just a little aside, uh, but a friend of mine gave me a bottle of Brussels sprout gin at Christmas. Um, okay, <laughs> and you know when you when you drink it, it's got a slight kind of brassicariness. It's a little bit kind of savoury, but the, what really hits you is if you just smell it from the bottle straight. Ooh, that could re- <laughs> that could revive the dead, mm. Def- definitely. But um, anyway, yeah. Sorry to Kaylets. I'm going to make a note of this. Yes. Ne- Never eat kaleettes. Right? There you go. I, See? <coughs> I had a traumatic instance with a cauliflower. Does does that count? We go similar to the pineapple. Earlier? No, no, oh, no. Do, <laughs> do, do tell. It, it, it was at a, a formulative time of my life. I was a mid-teen. Um, oh God. Um, <laughs> what happens if I do? Puberty. This is a puberty story, isn't it? <laughs> and. Um, 
yeah, the the Berlin Wall had just come down. And oh, lovely, lovely scene setting. I know, I know. I'm, 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 I'm in. Well, to, to be honest, the Berlin Wall just coming down was a part of the story uh, because uh, I, there was you were finding out Eastern Europe uh, was opening up. They were interested in Western culture. And so there was a, a camp being run in Poland at the time, which, which was still um, just coming out of, of communism. It left, you know, it left the Soviet Union. And, and they, it was an English-speaking camp where people could load, go to learn to speak English. And so they, they shipped a load of you know, young, impressionable teenagers from the UK over to Poland to, to take part in this camp. And there were all these teen, Polish teens and they were supposed to speak English to us and they were supposed to be immersed in in the english culture and so they did and we did loads of different things and we we recreated an english wedding and we did all of these different english things at this camp and one of the things they decided to do was cook the classic roast dinner but at the time poland really hadn't been exposed very much to any western cooking let alone something quite as obscure as the the british roast and and so they they somewhat misunderstood the idea of cauliflower cheese, and so yeah. what they'd managed to do was serve basically a starter of cauliflower cheese, where they'd taken a whole cauliflower and cut it in half, lightly, and I mean lightly boiled it, and poured pretty lukewarm, lumpy cheese sauce. Ooh. Made of uh, Eastern European cheese over the top of it, and serve that up to us all. Mm. <laughs> it looked like a brain, didn't it? It looked like yeah. a brain, yeah. <laughs> and so, of course, we'd been, you know, explained to us very early on that we had to be culturally sensitive and not, you know, upset anyone. So I had to sit there and eat half a basically raw cauliflower covered with <laughs> with. Uh, crunchy yeah mm. so i don't like cauliflower mm. cheese now which is unfortunate because it's delicious did oh, they make you wash it down with a cup of cold bovril or something yeah it was the whole meal was a little bit like that but that was the mm. low point was the cauliflower cheese no it's, it's been interesting i've just noticed over the last i don't know few months or so that lots of people that we know that have done freelancing over the the years or work for themselves or whatever um are all suddenly taking on proper jobs you know actual proper day jobs and uh, i'm just wondering why we think this is and you know what it what would tempt you if you are freelancing i think marcus is uh you know, Marcus is a different uh, kettle of fish. But, you know, what would tempt you to actually go off to work for the, um, well, I was going to say man, but really I should say gender-neutral person? Andy, that's what you've done, isn't it, effectively? Yes, in theory, you're, you're now officially, I guess, a contractor, which is the worst of both worlds, isn't it, really? <laughs> Obviously, I run a design agency, and we have a wide variety of clients, and I derive my income from multiple sources. <laughs> Um, and therefore, I am not, you know, in some other way employed right. by the yeah. client. Okay, sorry. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't know that. But in, but you know, yeah, I, I spend a good deal of my time working for Nozomi Networks in Switzerland, and uh, 
I've been doing that for three years. And what we've done is we've progressively increased the number of weeks that I work for them throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Um, alongside, obviously, my other multiple income streams. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, there are pros and cons in in that from my experience i mean there are some absolute definite pros they are really nice people they are um good payers you know they pay well and they pay reliably which if you're a freelancer mm. is always one of the mm-hmm. the issues um and although when i tell people that you know the Zombie Networks is a cybersecurity company, and I work on their cybersecurity product. You'd be, oh god, really? <laughs> hey, you, know, you could, you could actually think, well, hang on, that must be the most boring job in the world. But actually, they are really good people. I'm always of the belief that you make the job what you want it to be, yeah. and yeah. they're receptive to new ideas and new approaches. And I'm allowed to kind of explore different ways of presenting data and editorial stuff and data visualization and whatever. And, you know, they leave me pretty much to, to do what I need to do. So there are some very definite pros involved in that. The only con that I have is that sometimes I feel that I miss that variety. You know, when you're yeah. working for different people and you get, you know, one week's very different from another. Um, but I decided that, you know, if I felt like that, I just needed to fill that void with my own creative stuff. People don't have mm-hmm. to be paying me to make creative stuff um, if I want to do it myself. So overall, I would say it's a huge plus. Um, and part of me, um, you know, really can understand why people would take a, a, a proper job, particularly after working as a freelancer for, you know, as many years as I did, because working for yourself is incredibly stressful and tiring mm-hmm. and, you know, often feels like you're on a, you know, a hamster wheel and sometimes it's nice to be able to step off it. And so I can kind of understand why people do it. I think I'm doing it wrong then. Paul's face is just completely like, what stress? <laughs> yeah. What, what mental energy? <laughs> well, did, great if it's working out for you. But well, he lies. No, no, no. I, I, I don't very much anymore. I, I think that it's not the, the big... The big thing, while a lot of people find it stressful, is, you know, from all the agencies and freelancers I mentor, um, is really about keeping work coming in, isn't it? That's that's the fear, right? Most other aspects of um, being a freelancer or an agency are, are comparable, really, with working in-house, Right. You, you, or a better in many ways. You know, you get as a freelancer or an agency, you get more flexibility, you get more variety. You don't get to follow things through um, in the same way as you do in house. Um, the whole things of managing and dealing with clients, whether you're external or internal, fundamentally, it's it's pretty similar. People are, are difficult to work with, whether they're in house or external. So I don't think that's the big difference. I think it it comes down to do you find it stressful constantly generating new work and keeping yourself fed? And do you worry about not having that continual stream of work? And in my case, I'm very fortunate that I have been building for years 
that profile that reputation that stream of work so so actually yeah i've got no idea i've got zero work lined up for february whatsoever um but i don't worry about it because i know it'll come in um and and i know that if it doesn't come in then there are ways that i could generate it and give it a kickstart so yeah i'm i'm quite fortunate and so it would take a hell of a lot to make me work in-house because basically uh, i like doing what i want to do when i want to do it and i don't want other people really telling me when i have to work or or what i need to do but i accept Mm -hmm. that you know i don't uh, that is as much by luck as it is by anything else you know i'm not claiming that that you know somehow i found the secret source to it or anything like that i just think i've been quite fortunate what do you think john Hmm. that's really interesting to hear that actually because at one point i would have said the same but then i had years like 2017 when Hmm. the work inquiries dipped quite dramatically Hmm. um and i think in terms of years that was probably my worst year I mean, that was 2017 was sort of like 15 years into being freelance. Mm. So, you know, I kind of at that point would maybe I should have been a bit more confident, but it's still, you know, there's still changes happen and dips happen and, you know, it's come back again, but it's still, you know, I always still remember that year as being one of the worst ones. But Mm. um, it does come down to money, really, because, and it's not just getting the work in, it's also, it's chasing the payments. Um, Sometimes you, the work's fine, you've done the work, but some people just take an absolute age to, to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes, you know, you're, you know you, there's like not much of a buffer in the bank. You, you need that check just to be able to, to, to pay for basics. So, um, and that's the other key. I think you've, you've just hit on the other key there, that not only do you need a good sales pipeline, you also need a really good buffer in the bank. Mm. Uh, you know, because... Uh, uh, because yeah. people are crap yeah yeah not not everyone <laughs> but you know sometimes mm-hmm. it tends to be the, b- the big ones as well you know, yeah it's the, the the smaller companies sort of pay instantly and then it's the big ones that it has to work its way through the system you have to be set up as a vendor on the on the on the accounting system you have to get the right purchase order number then you have to wait for the check run or payment run mm-hmm. which happens like maybe one day a week maybe one day every two three weeks all that kind of bullshit and um yeah it's kept me awake some nights just that kind of worry of just enough cash flow you know in some ways i kind of it's not so much the work i think the work's always going to be there but it is that you know whether the money comes at the right moment mm. um but then again every time i kind of sit looking at you know, like, oh, wouldn't it be good to be in a job, you know, and that you would be able, you know, get the regular salary, a uh, bit of job security, and then you could just relax and just get, you know, just focus on their, like, doing the work. And then you see all the, you know, big companies doing layoffs. Yeah. So, for example, like Mozilla, you know, we did some, a lot of work with Mozilla a few years back, and um, it was really nice working with them, and, you know, there was sort of little murmurs of you know or we need designers and you know this could be something here um only only ever murmurs i must 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 say uh and then like months later you know was it 30 percent of staff laid off or something Mm -hmm. um that's the position when you feel okay as a freelancer i'm much better at weathering stuff like that yeah it's um you're not sort of back to zero again you know you've 
can still have the other clients and um, and keep things running. So yeah, I, I, I flip flop, but generally, I think I still prefer the whole business of um, being freelance. I think the, the one other advantage of a job or a role could be in terms of reach. So it could be that you know by being at a company, um, you could be working on a project that then you know, affects thousands, millions of people. Mm, that's so, um, so one thing, like, for example, like with Dyson, I did some work with Dyson and it was, um, uh, I, I, I was going in to do like this icon document. So, you know, all these products are now using icons. How do we get them all to align? And, you know, what's the structure? What's the f- process for working out the icons? Um, and I kept on dropping lots of hints. First of all, like, um, well, our current Dyson's, we've had it for a few years. It's on its last legs. Um, we really need to get another one. Tumbleweed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't really think that they would say, oh, just take one of these. You know, I thought they might say, oh, well, you know, we could you get something from the, you know, 10% discount from our shop or something. Like nothing. Um, and then it was also at the time when they were announcing the electric car project, mm. which has since been stopped. Um, but they were saying, oh, we know we need, I think someone said 20,000 icons, but, you know, I think that was obviously just their, their exaggeration for, we, we're going to need a lot of icons for this electric car project. So I dropped all the hints I could about, you're going to really need someone to look after all these icons. Um, and, like, nothing. You know, that's, that, would, that would have been a, a role where I, I would have said, yeah, I would do that if if I could get the job. I would do that because it would be working on something that would be quite big. Yeah, know, between the like you know, or like you know, like a transport system icon system or something like that. Just something that sometimes some of the work I do, you know, it, it affects quite a small area of people. Mm. So I think the reach is something that you're more likely to get in a in a role. Yeah. Marcus, you are in fact that gender neutral person, aren't you? I am the man. (laughs) Um, I have opinions on this um, because we have. I I hear you loud and clear about 2017. 2019 was a really bad year for us. Um, But this last year has been the best year we've ever had. From a money perspective, it's been very stressful from a getting things done perspective. But what it's meant is we've been trying to hire people and. They're not there. So, oh. um, well, they are there. So I have a theory about why senior or successful um, freelancers are taking jobs because they're being offered lots of money uh, for it because people are desperate to get people to join their companies uh, at the moment. So I think that's one aspect to it because, you know, if, I, Paul, you said it, it would take a hell of a lot of money. I think that's what you said to, mm. uh, to, to get me to join. Well, you know, you have a price. We all do. Yeah. So, you know, if someone said, I'm going to pay you half a million pounds a year to come and do this job for me, all right then. Yeah. You know, you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't say no, would you? So um, I think there's, that's an element to it. But I also think, and this is because we can't afford to pay people, you know, mid-level developers in London, 120, 130k a year is what the current rate is. That's impossible, even though we are currently doing very well. I can't afford to pay people that, not even remotely. So, uh, and I didn't mean that as a pun, by the way. But <laughs> what, what, what we found um, is that we need to offer the people uh, that we've interviewed, and we, ha- we have now filled all the posts. 
is what you're saying you get from your job, Paul. I, you know, you, I think you said, I, I want to do what I want when I want to do it. Mm. And that's kind of what, as an employer, we have to, they're not quite that loose, but to a degree, you know, yes, there is a job to be done here, but you're not expected to start at 9am and finish at mm. 5.30. It's a, you know, we're, we are a fairly small, flexible outfit who really it's just about getting the job done and trying to enjoy ourselves while we're doing it. Uh, and ensure that we do a good job so that people want to employ us again uh, in the future. So getting that message across has got these new employees to choose us. That's what I think it's all about. I think there is, um, there's a dearth in talent. Uh, so Well, I also I think it's the, the, the current um, culture as well. I think COVID has made everybody... Well, I know because it's it's all over the media. You know, what's it they call it in America at the moment? The big quit or something. The, mm-hmm. uh, the, yeah, the great resignation. Yeah, that's mm. it. Um, I was close. Yeah, a bit more. I went more American with it using a short. The massive bugger off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are just reevaluating their lives and, and are saying, yeah. what is it that I want from my life? And that inevitably means that some people who are freelance are just fed up with the stress, especially over, over COVID where there was a lot of stop and start. You know, there were times that it was incredibly busy where everybody suddenly decided to kick into action, but there was also a lot of times where everything ground to a halt because everybody was in panic. So I think, mm. you know, a lot of people are just reevaluating their lives and moving around. I mean, in truth, I don't think there really is a right or wrong answer over something like this. I think it just depends on your personality. It depends on when you are in your life and what's going on. You know, do you have kids and dependencies and responsibilities? And, you know, what do you like doing with your life? Where do you want to go? So, you know, I I think it's it's a matter of of choice in any particular circumstance, isn't it, really? So it's a stupid question, Mm. Andy, basically, is what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) It it wasn't my finest hour, no. (laughs) We were on a lot safer ground talking about which the worst vegetables were, if if I'm honest. We were. We we were. You went all sensible there, Andy. (laughs) I, I did. Well, I was thinking the reason... The reason why, one of the reasons I, I kind of brought that up um, was that I saw a tweet from John, which is kind of relevant to that discussion today, actually, about becoming a, a design manager. So do you want to explain what you said there, John? Yeah, well, um, basically, it, it's always seemed to be that people around me, um, yourselves excluded from this, is that that they would go through the management route? So they were they were big designers, um, and they've ended up being sort of VP of design at some large company. Um, and I've, I've, this is in tandem with this thing that I've always felt about, you know, what happens to old designers? <laughs> so. No, I mean, for once I'm being serious. Yeah, I know you are, but the the comedy the comedy potential is high. <laughs> they start a podcast. <laughs> Do they get sent to Eastbourne or something? <laughs> but it's uh, it's uh, yeah, they start a podcast absolutely. But this, uh, you know, you don't see many people who are actually just like designers mm. in their fifties and sixties. Mm. You know, you can think of like big name people, like maybe Johnny Ive or. Um, like Peter Blake, for example, you know, people who are like artists, 
But generally, that 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 path is that you know because you want to earn more money. I think is the idea is that you become more manageable. And so, for example, at the moment, I'm I'm freelancing with a U.S. public health charity, um, and you know I'm not the design manager. I'm just you know I say just just a designer, and I have a a much younger um, uh, design manager that I you know who is my client. I kind of report into if it was a bit like a job, but you know it, that that's the person sort of you know making decisions there. So yeah, it's always been that fight of I, I've I was a design manager for like about a year and a half with Opera um, before I got sacked, and it's I sort of enjoyed it. I sort of enjoyed the idea of telling people what to do and just sitting back and relaxing a little bit, you know, not having to worry about getting it right myself, but just having the right people around who would do that. Uh, but to be honest, after a year and a half, it came at a good time for me to leave because I just like designing. And that's the mm. thing. I don't want to be managing a team. I don't want to be necessarily mentoring lots of people. That doesn't mean I won't want to do a mentor persons, but, um, it's yeah it's not where it's not where my my passion is you know i just like to create stuff um so i think that'll always mean that there'll always be that element of you know i I will say a lower pay grade but obviously being freelance and having some sort of profile you know i'm earning more probably than than some I, i accept that but there's still that kind of you know there are the people up there who work the VPs of design and, you know, make it, they're, they're making the big decisions and they're, they're getting the big bucks, but they're not necessarily, you know, involved at the coal face doing the, the creative work. So, um, yeah, it, it's just, I, I flip flop between the, you know, well, maybe it's time to do that, especially as I'm now, I'm going to be 50 in October. Um, so, you know, it's coming. I'm kind of feeling. Hold, f- hold on to it, John, with everything you've got would be my advice. Mm. My equivalent of what you're talking about is playing the guitar and making records and that kind of thing. But I had to give mm. all that up to become a grown-up, for want of a better term, have yeah. a proper job, as we're talking about. So you do the thing you still you're still doing the thing that you're passionate about. Don't don't ever stop unless you have to. Yeah, well, I think the the person who to actually when I sit down and think about it, the person who's got the ideal job to me is Mister Bingo. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you know because. Yeah. Um, First of all, he's a bloody great artist, but he's created his own style. Uh, he's created his own path, his own products. You know, it, he's doing something that no one else was doing really at the time. Um, you know, we see a few people doing kind of similar-ish things now, but but generally, you know, he's in that position of doing what he wants mm. and and, get, and getting money from, from doing it. It's a lot of hard work. I'm not saying it's not like a, you know, he's found it easy, but I think basically as, you know, as a role or a job or a position that I, I would lust after, it would be the Mr. Bingo route and not the VP of design. I mean, it's, it, it, a lot of it comes down, John, to to getting yourself in a position where you've got one of two two routes to do, haven't you, really? You've got the, the, the Andy route, which is the getting a, not employed by somebody because he's absolutely not, but found a mm. a very generous client with, you know, which basically lets him shape that role in the direction that he goes largely himself. Or you go down 
the Mr. Bingo route and to some extent my route as well of, you know, you just make enough noise that people will come to you and and, and mm. let you do what it is that, that you want to do. But that's... It, it takes a certain personality. I mean, look at Mr. Bingo. You know, he's a great example of this. You have to be the Gary V's. You have to be the Mr. Bingo's. You have to be you mouthy. You have to have the, yeah. the, mm. bull, the buttload of confidence. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you are Mr. Bingo just without all the pictures of cocks, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least not the pictures of cocks that I publish. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's a title for the episode. Paul Boag's, Paul Boag's Secret Book of Cocks. <laughs> I, I get emails from LinkedIn, like I'm sure, like half the planet. And I don't know why, but it now sends me, you know, available jobs. design jobs. Yeah. And, you know, probably because of, you know, what I've got on LinkedIn or whatever, it sends me ads for VP of design or head of design or whatever these these things are. And, you know, once in a while, I'll have a I'll have a little kind of flick through. And quite often they'll be looking for, you know, a, a, a design manager or a head of design because they've already got their design team all in place and. You think to yourself, well, you know, what does that role actually include? And then I think about people that I know that have done design lead jobs at Facebook and and in other places where they've done that thing that you were talking about in your tweet, John, which was, you know, they stopped designing and they've started managing. Mm. And that would be my worst nightmare, not only because I'm probably the worst manager in the world, <laughs> um, but also because that kind of thing just doesn't interest me. But if the role includes, um, you know, mentoring people, working with people, providing, you know, the benefit of my many years of experience and kind of, you know, just shaping the direction of things, then that's okay. But the the day-to-day kind of, you know, what projects are we working on? You know, has this been signed off? Has the client fed back about this or whatever? That kind of, I suppose, you know, management in inverted commas role is really not interesting. And I certainly couldn't do it if I didn't get my hands dirty on, you know, actual creative work. That Mm. would feel, you know, in my mind, that would almost be as bad as, you know, making My Little Ponies in in a factory, which is, you know, what I started off doing when I was 15. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, in my in my opinion a good uh, the design leadership role shouldn't be managing clients and stakeholders and you know have we delivered this project on time that's a project management role or a product owner role i mean a good a good design lead in my in my mind at least really should be setting the creative design direction for the entire organization should be responsible for things like mm. the design system, the de- des- yeah. design language, those kinds of things. And maybe to some extent championing design best practice. Well, no, definitely it should be championing design best practice, uh, explaining the value of design to the rest of the leadership and that kind of thing. So it's, it's not that it's a role that doesn't appeal to me. It very much does appeal to me. My problem is nobody's ever offered me that role. Right. 
you know, I, 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 honestly, <laughs> I have, you could work for Marcus. I have, <laughs> I've never been headhunted in my life, which uh, uh, yeah, I find deeply de- depressing, really. And but um, <laughs> it's confusing you, isn't it? Paul? It is because uh, I'm I'm bloody amazing, and yet nobody <laughs> seems to want to work with me, and I just I just don't understand that. No, but. <laughs> Uh, to some degree, what I was getting at there wasn't nobody's offered it to me in that sense. But it, I, I'm yet to be somebody. I've yet to see a design leadership role that actually is what I would consider to be a design leadership role, or what I would want it to be. Perhaps is a better way of wording it. Yeah. Um, there are often glorified people managers, uh, you know, and and that to me isn't appealing. But what I see as a real design leadership role, that is appealing. But you'd still have to deal with, like Shit. you said, you'd yeah. still have to be champion of yeah, the design yeah, yeah, yeah. aspect of whatever it is the company did, um, which is always seen below engineering and product and yeah. sales and all that kind of stuff. So, there, there, there. yeah, but, be a but let's po- be honest. Political role. Yeah, but let's be honest, Marcus, I quite enjoyed that shit. True. So, yes. so I'm, <laughs> I'm unusual in that regards. You know, I like bullshitting people and. And um, you know, making compelling arguments and manipulating them into doing what I want them to do. So you know, that's yeah, true. Yes, that's absolutely true. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> At least I'm honest about it. You know. And on that bombshell, <laughs> <laughs> shall we wrap things up? Go on, Andy. See us out. So thank you for listening to uh, this episode of One Footer in the Grave. We will see you. Time. God willing.